welcome to the podcast. With me today is Marlise Jensen, who I've, how long have we known each other now? Um, it was 2018, I think. Yeah, I think, yeah, so a while. Um, and well, first, welcome and, t- and thank you for taking the time. And can you describe a little bit about what you do? Because it's different than a lot of the people who are listening to the podcast who are in financial services, for example. Sure. So um, I'm the founder and CEO or co-founder and CEO of Grata. Um, Grata is a coaching and consulting firm that works with individuals, couples, families, and family offices, really to address the impact of wealth on relationships and personal and professional ambitions, really so people can live more joyful and connected lives. So our mission statement is um, we're committed to human connection, empowerment, and creativity by addressing wealth in all its forms. We really focus on human capital development as a way of um, helping families create purpose and um, connection amongst each other. And, And your background is on the psychology side, right? Correct. I'm a marriage and family therapist, a licensed marriage and family therapist. I work with my spouse, actually, who has a background in finance and investing. You have a nice balance because you got both sides here as you as you walk into the family and talk to the family. Yeah. So f- for a frame for this, you know, people have probably heard the, the podcast that we did with uh, Jim Grubman on Wealth 3.0 and Kristen Keffler. Uh, we actually did two with her because part of it was a book and the other part was how it connects to Wealth 3.0. And part of this transition to Wealth 3.0 is a shift away from leading with the negatives and, you know, the 90% rule. And and Jim and I were laughing about it. We all had the slides on our deck. We all talked about this. You know, if you don't do something, you know, there's a 90% chance your money's going to be gone by the third generation. And this, this transition has been happening now in, in the wealth management space for a, a more than a decade Um because I know we were part of a thing, Kristen and I, and some others back in 2012. And it's been going positive. And then positive psychology took a real big shift in, what was it, 1998, when it became a, a real focus. And so that's that's all kind of meshed together here when we talk about Wealth 3.0. And uh, as we're talking at the our 20th anniversary conference, it seems like the pendulums with some people have has shifted to positive psychology too far. I mean, to the point where it's like, we want to avoid anything negative at all. And I I remember your comment to me was, you know, real people and real families have real problems (laughs) and they need to be addressed. So we can't just ignore it. And that's really what we want to talk about today is finding that balance, finding the, the comfort zone in there. So we're not just leading and hammering on the negative. We are dealing with the positive, but we're also cognizant of real people and real families have real issues. Can you give me some of your observations and concerns about this? Um, I think that what I've been observing with the unveiling over time of Well 3.0, which I think is fantastic, and I'm personally extremely aligned with it, what I've been seeing is the the discussion of the shift toward positive psychology and what positive psychology has to add, all of which is true. My fear, and and also I've been hearing some rumblings in the industry. It's like, well, it's not all about positive psychology. Positive psychology alone isn't enough as a reaction to some of these presentations. And so my fear is that even professionals like us sometimes don't hear the nuance that Wealth 3.0 is really built on, and it really is. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I want Wealth 3.0 to come through in its entirety 
so that um, it can, so that advisors in the field can know how to shift toward it in a way that is positive for clients and for the industry overall. If you think about a house, building a house, and if you build the house so that you're not, the windows are not facing the morning sunlight, or worse, you build the house so that they're not facing the morning sunlight or the evening sun <laughs> on the other side. The other side, yeah. <laughs> um, your family that lives in that house is going to have an extremely limited view of the world around them. But if you build a house so that it's actually positioned toward the light and toward a beautiful the, a beautiful vista or a view, if it's possible, you change what they see. And if you think of the foundation and the supporting walls of the house being like research and training in our industry, and you think of the systems in the house, like the heating and the be like the, the advising, right? right? What we build is what we see. Just with some of the reactions and some of the, some of the presentations I've heard, I've worried that it's focused so much on the positive psychology angle, which I, I think is a, it's a huge change and it's very important and it's necessary and I love it. Um, I want more reality to be brought into those presentations so that the application of it is clearer. So that people don't don't come to the point where they're like, well, this is great but I've got a family that's really complex and has all these issues. And I don't know how to, how to really apply this. I don't want that to happen. And it really, this goes back to a conversation that we've had over and over again in all of our communities about collaboration. There is no one person that can handle everything that a family needs, especially multi-generationally or one firm. Um, and, and you're right. As, as when you talk about the, the whole I guess wealth management is probably the label that's used for this more than anything, you know, uh, the wealth management label. Okay. You're in psychology. I was an attorney, you know, Lori was in financial services. It's, it, it's, it takes all of these things, but we all have different backgrounds. When the stuff started coming out and it was taught and most of it was taught coming from the psychology people in the psychology world, people in the financial or the estate planning world, I'll use my world. They didn't get it. Because that's not our world. And it was really hard to understand what the nuances. We didn't we say black and white. We don't see nuances at that point when it's something outside of our norm. And I think that's so that's part of a real big part of what this discussion is about is it's it isn't black or white. It isn't all about being all negative or all positive, or all about psychology as opposed to everything else. It's everything. In fact, that's one of the points. I, I want to direct anyone who hasn't read the two Trust in the States articles that Jim and Kristen and Dennis wrote. They're very concise, and they really set out a very clear description of the paradigm and why it's time for it. And that is one of the points that they make, which is like, we need to learn both and thinking mm -hmm. um, in terms of, do I talk about the wealth or do I ruin the kids? It's like, or do I, can I prepare the kids and talk about the, like, there's, we need to learn both and thinking, which is something that's hard for humans in general. <laughs> it's hard for humans to, to hold two things that might seem like they might conflict and find a way through, find a way through that doesn't conflict. And that's just something that is a very adult skill. <laughs> and I would read those articles in order, because I think the second one really flushed out a lot of the stuff that started in the first one they they were both good articles but 
I really appreciated the second one because I think it gave a, a, a fuller picture. I mean, you can only do it so much in an article. <laughs> so, you know, first one got a lot there, but I think the second one really is a is a help for that. And and even the in Kristen's book, Kristen's Kepler's book, at the end she talks about how it ties with well 3.0. And I think that chapter is is real helpful too, at least was for me. Another uh, point that they make very clearly in the article is this is not to gloss over everything to make it happy, happy, joy, joy. So they're very, very clear that this is an approach where we shift our gaze so that we start from a strengths-based place and that that is absolutely possible. It's absolutely possible. And not only that, but people don't get motivated by fear generally. They might in the short term, but they don't in the long term. So to really get the kinds of long-term results we want for our clients, this is really the only way, is to shift towards what's working. Start there and then work from that perspective. And you're right about, I mean, people talk about people run from pain before they run towards pleasure. But if they run from pain, they only run long enough to get away from the pain. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's not a long-term solution. It's just to get somebody started. Uh, as opposed to when you start with where's the big picture and what do we have in, you know, where are we going and how can we get there together? That's a, that's a different paradigm. And it takes an abundance mentality for pretty much all the professionals that are in the room to be able to handle that. As you, as you uh, went back through those articles, are there th anything, anything specifically that you read there and went, I didn't see that the first time, or I didn't, if I did see it, I didn't really grasp it the first time. Uh, that helped bring this together for you? I mean, I think it's um, it was those two things. It was about the both and thinking. And I, right. I recently read a book called Navigating Polarities. I'm looking away because I'm looking at it right now. Yeah. Navigating Polarities by Brianne Emerson and Kelly Lewis. And that is an absolutely fantastic book about both and thinking. It's It's really something that we are not trained uh, in school mm -hmm. to do. And it's such a skill, anything you're doing, raising kids, <laughs> you know, right. really in anything. Um, and it's really that that really stood out to me. And then the other thing ab about this is not an attempt to gloss over anything negative that that I guess I hadn't remembered that exact paragraph. And I was very happy to see it. And I think a lot of us, I did the same thing, because I think a lot of us, as we start thinking about positive, we did the pendulum backwards. We th did it as that's the opposite of negative, right? And so if we're going to get away from the negative, then we got to go to the positive. And it was almost like a turning on the light or turning off the light with no, you know, nothing in between. And that is a point that I think is really valid to make in, in getting people thinking about this. This is both and. And it always has been from the very beginning, the concept has been both and. In more than just the psychology part of it. I mean, just how you're working together with the family. It, it's not necessarily how mom and dad did it is wrong and how the kids are doing it is right. There's some from everybody that you have to work together as, you, as you're building through the family. And particularly if you add a family business to that family and the nuances and that come into that. Yeah, I really like your analogy about turning on the light or turning off the light. Because remember, when we turn on the light, we can see everything. When you turn off the light, you can't see anything. And it's almost like if you're just relying on data that, you know, data like Williams and Pricer, that that's using information 
without thinking about the people in front of you. Mm -hmm. And every person in this world has something to offer. And that's something that we, one of our pillars at Grata is that everyone has the ability to be a a steward of of wealth. Doesn't matter if you got business training, doesn't matter who you are, you, anyone has the ability to do that. And so it really is about who are the people in the room? What are they bringing to the table? What are the resources, the human resources, the human capital that's in the room? And how do we capitalize on that to get them where they want to go with what with what their family is, is, is hoping to do? That concept is driven in families. The concept of either or is driven in families from early on. I mean, you know, it, I used to get it all the time when I was working particularly, well, I still do, but with, with business families, you'd have, hear the kids say, well, I'm not a leader like dad or like mom. And therefore they weren't a leader. And, but yet if we study leadership, everybody's a leader. Everybody can be a leader. And there's not one style that makes you a leader. I love using Apple now because, you know, you could use Apple and go, okay, look at Steve Jobs. There was nobody that was more challenging of a leader than he was. I mean, you know, he, he, what he fired the, the least producing person in the, in the sector at the end of the year, even if they were above what they were supposed to do, but they were the bottom one. Whereas you know, his his successor is so much more supportive and they both took it to new, new heights. So it isn't that there's a right or a wrong, but we are, we kind of get that from birth. I mean, as we're growing up in the family, you know, what, what mom and dad are doing or what are my brothers doing, my sister, we get that polarity and, and we live with it. I mean, that's how we kind of go into it. And I think we take that into it with all of our professions. Um, and it's also super stressful for young people who realize that they don't want to do what mom right, and dad. Are doing. Right. And they feel like that in and of itself is wrong. And so, you know, with family work, there's so much shame that comes from a lot of different places. And I think one of the amazing things about this strengths-based approach is it assumes that everybody in the room has a strength or more strengths. More strengths, yeah. That they're bringing to the table and that what we're doing is we're opening our own eyes and everybody's opening their eyes to what those are and how the team can be better than any one individual. And that, that takes, that part of that takes the leadership of the professionals that are in the room, whatever discipline they're in. Uh, and that's why we keep talking about collaboration. There has to be collaboration amongst professionals that all get it too. And don't think, you know, my way or the highway. Um, but you watch that, and I know you have stories too. You watch that in a family, and you see where one of those kids or stepkids or, or uh, in laws all of a sudden recognizes that they have something of value, how it shifts everybody in the, in the room. Uh, I remember one of our uh, people was working with a family who was really high. I mean, everybody was a top professional except uh, this. Uh, son-in-law who just came in and he felt like he was out of place because he was a kindergarten teacher, you know, and all these five. And so they they went down to Mexico. They're all having this family meeting. They had, I think like nine kids that were under the age of six. And as they were going through kind of a human capital exercise, somebody said, so who has like EMT training? He was the only one. What about children? He was the only one. What about CPR? He was the only one. And all of a sudden, everybody started looking and going, we have a problem. He's the guy. And it completely shifted the the relationship between he and everybody else and he and himself. I mean, all of a sudden, he realized he had value. 
that's part of what we're talking about here. Value is measured differently by different people. And when you get that concept started of everybody here has got value and everybody here has something that will benefit everybody else and, and they recognize that, that just, that puts on the afterburners when the family is going forward. It's something that needs to, the professionals need to help with because the family themselves have, have their own little world at that point. Well, and I think I'll say too that in the industry, we're changing our views around what wealth management is really for. I would say, you know, that it's it used to be about just growing financial assets. That's it. Right. There's really a shift in industry, like across industries, there's a shift towards promoting wellness and that there's a reason we grow financial assets. And when Jay Hughes, you know, described the different kinds of capital, not everybody paid attention to it. Um, but I mean, everybody in in sort of the who was interested in in really helping families of wealth certainly paid attention to it. But there were still a lot of wealth managers who who didn't necessarily see that as their job. And I think that's what's really shifting is that we need a wellness-based approach in order to get the kind of collaboration that's necessary to really help clients. And that shift took a long time. I mean, for decades, it was all about the money. And if, you know, if people in the family got hurt, that doesn't matter. It was mad. We need to preserve the money, grow and preserve the money. And when that's your that's your goal. I mean, if that's all you've got your focus on, you don't really see the rest of this stuff. Yeah. So then it's left up to the family to right. either find somebody to help them with that or not. And um, I think what we're hoping for is more of an integrated approach where um, wealth managers are really in quite a powerful position and they have a lot of influence with their clients and to um, build in a wellness focus you know, to, to change their gaze on what they're doing, to um, be much more mindful of their, their influence and the facilitation role that they do play um, will be really important. And there's a lot of subtlety that comes in that, that a lot of the professionals, I don't think, recognize. You just made a comment about the role that they play and the influence that they have. A lot of times, I don't think they recognize just their demeanor and how they're approaching thing, how, how big an impact that has on the family. And especially if it's already, if it's um, supporting something that's already there for the younger generations, they're going, okay, where do I fit uh, mm-hmm. with all of this? And usually the answer is nowhere. And then they go find their own mm-hmm. manager, their own asset managers. And so it's, it's exciting to think about the industry really building in a wellness focus to support the oncoming, the, the rising generation and to create more communication and more trust. I recently saw some data that I was shocked to see that um, in this particular study, people were asked how, if they fully trusted their financial advisors, do you know what percentage of them said that they did? Oh, man, uh, not very high, I would guess. Two <laughs> percent. Two. Oh wow. Okay. So you know, addressing yeah. the human side of like you are, if every client is a human coming to the office, and how do you build rapport, and how do you invite their experience into the room, and the things that that are outside the growth of financial assets, and and it, those things are showing to be more and more important. And we've seen that from the studies before about why 
both um, inheritors to kids or the spouse of the widows are leaving the financial advisors. There's been several studies on that, and it took it's taken a while for people to realize that. I mean, you know, I've, I've seen the studies that go back a couple of decades that somewhere between 70 and 90 percent of the inheritors will leave their their parents' advisors as soon as they get the money because they don't have any relationship with them. But there's more recent studies about widows and that in the high 70% of widows will leave the financial advisor within a year after their husband dies for essentially the same reason. Because, you know, the, the generation, that generation, the uh, advisor was normally talking to the dad, the husband, and they didn't have a relationship. So one of the most destabilizing experiences a human being can have psychologically is to feel unseen. and. Somebody who feels unseen does not feel connected at all in that in that experience of being unseen. And what Wealth 3.0 does is it focuses on the person in the room, what they bring to the table, and the end result is people feel seen. And when they feel seen, they engage. I don't see a way to go forward without each part of the industry. Another part of Wealth 3.0 is is um, bringing in consistent training across the industry, even across disciplines. It just addresses that issue of needing to be seen in order to have a good relationship of any kind. And here we're talking about business relationships with advisors. So that's a that's a real positive I see of this paradigm. And you know, it goes back to we when we did our over the years, we identified what those what families want, what people want, our clients want. And the number two one and two things were what they want to be heard and they want to be understood. And for most advisors, the uh, the hurt part was about the money. Okay, I never heard about the money, but for the for the clients, it was to be understood. That's to be seen, to be known for who I am, not just what I've got. It was one of those eye opener things because when you talk to most financial advisors and estate planning attorneys and insurance people, that's not where they're coming from initially. They're coming from this is what I have for you. This is what I can do for you. It isn't about who they are. And and let's not forget emotions. Sharj and I were just meeting with a couple about a prenup last weekend. And we were dealing with anger and disgust. Those were the emotions that were brought in when we asked how they felt about the situation. And so if I went in and said, well, here's what you should talk about in your prenup. Here are the terms you need. And we didn't deal with the anger and disgust. That was such a strong emotional anchor that we wouldn't, I I can't see how we could have had a good working experience with this couple. So people need to, and a lot of times they're not, they're not aware of their emotions. Their emotions are are limiting them or impacting them, but they're not aware of it. So a lot of this work has to do with bringing that to the surface so that a lot of times, once you do that, you can set it free. Yeah, and that's comes from listening. <laughs> you know, a big part of this is this goes back to that: Are you listening to respond, or are you listening to understand? And if you're asking the right questions and listening to understand, now they felt heard. Now they can deal with those. If you're just listening to respond, it's not going to happen. It can't happen. You know, I'm like you. I am all over uh, the whole concept of Wealth 3.0. I'm and I'm seeing more and more nuances that are getting missed that I think are now starting to get addressed. Because I think with a lot of professionals, it's really easy to go either or. <laughs> That's what we do. Uh, and now seeing the, the nuances. And who knows where this is going to be five years from now? Because everything's changing. The younger generation learns differently than 
my generation did. Okay, we got to recognize that. And so this isn't like this is a switch. This is going to be a continual movement over time. At least that's how I see it. I, and I think when I was talking to Kristen, she was saying the same thing. This is, this isn't like we're gonna come up. Gee, on July 18th we hit it and we're done. <laughs> this is gonna be con continually moving. That's why I had that conversation with you after that after that panel in Dallas. That's exactly why because we need to be taking this on holistically. Mm -hmm. and not encouraging uh, reductionist thinking. And um, I think unwittingly sometimes there's been so much focus on moving to the positive that there's some like some caveats that show us how that fits into an overall engagement. Yeah, it isn't all or nothing. And it's easier, it's easier for us to go all or nothing because then you'll have to deal with one thing. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's those nuances that are the problem for for a lot of us in the in the industry. Just got a couple minutes. Is there anything else that that you'd want people to walk away from this going hearing? You know, and maybe just reiterating what you've already said. But what are the kind of one or two points that you know, as people get done listening to this, you go, I really hope that they heard this. Yeah, I think what I want to say is that this shifting our gaze to positive psychology and strengths based work is absolutely critical. And it actually helps us deal with complexity and family dynamics, and it helps us. We don't discount any of that in the process. It helps us, and that we should explore really how we do that. Like, I would love to see you do another podcast or do another one with you or something about complex client situations and how we see this as an asset to getting them through the work and feeling good about it. Yeah, that would be a good, that may be a couple of podcasts, <laughs> but you know, really seriously, because I was going to say when you're dealing with more than one person, but even when you're dealing with one person, you got to deal with all this stuff. But when you're dealing with more than one person in the room as, as a family, there are dynamics going on that some of which you're going to see, some of which you're not going to see right away. And some of which you may not see for a long, long time. But if you're not looking and you're not asking the questions and you're not focusing on trying to bring it out, the people who are hurting, I think they're the last person who's going to say anything because they're not going to stand up for themselves or they would have before. They're, they're just going to be hurt and they're going to withdraw. And you're losing a huge opportunity, not just for them, but for the whole family by not bringing that out. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's part of the value that we bring. Um, as advisors is to really get to know our clients and to reflect back what we see and then to do that in the group where they get to see the rest of the family gets to see what we see and that we we validate them and everybody nobody's perfect right so everybody has strengths and they have challenges and that sometimes their strengths come with certain challenges come with their strengths right, right. And so it really, that's one of our, what we really bring to the table is being able to, to validate those things and help the family see what they might not be seeing. And I want to emphasize that, that, that other point about reflecting it back. Having the professional reflect it back gives it a different feel, I guess, and, and credibility for the rest of the family to go, oh. And we do have that responsibility. I don't know that we take it as seriously as, as we probably should in a lot of situations. I think the Wealth 3.0 paradigm kind of gives us energy 
to mm-hmm. say, okay, so we really do have a responsibility here and here are some ways we can focus because well 3.0 is they are structuring practical recommendations and and I think that that's kind of exciting. Yeah. It's going to help me. Yeah, I think it's going to help everybody and you know it, it it does but it does force you to get out of oh I only got 12.6 point percent return this year instead of 12.8. That's you know that's not where it's all about. So Thank you very much for taking the time. And let's do talk about uh, getting maybe a group to get two or three people together for the next podcast and and doing because I think that would be as as this grows and it changes and it moves over time, um, everything's going to be moving with it. It's it's a it's a river. This isn't you're gonna not gonna step in the same river twice, right? Thank you very much for taking the time. This has been great, and I'm sure this will be. Uh, there's more and more as people are watching these things, it's it's putting the pieces together and people are starting to see the bigger picture by seeing the pieces of the puzzle uh, put together. So thank you for Wonderful. this. Thanks, Rod.